Grace and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis of our meditation today is from the second lesson, the epistle lesson. It's from the book of Revelation. We read it a moment ago and I'd like to read again uh, these particular verses. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It's Friday night. It's been a busy week. You want a quiet evening? You want to go home and uh, spend it quietly if you can? Good book? Movie perhaps? Light meal? Bowl of popcorn? Just a quiet evening. Something that you can get wrapped up in by yourself. That's your hope. And you try to succeed at that. And you're really into it. You're into the book. You're into the movie. It's encompassing. You're watching it. It's got your attention. Somewhere on the Isle of Patmos, around the end of the first century, the Apostle John, loved by our Lord Jesus Christ, is having a similar experience, not quite with all the gadgets that we have. He's had a rough time. He's been in exile. He's been imprisoned with little freedom. We have no idea the manner or the method that God has delivered John's vision to him. He's been a part of a vision. Chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7 of Revelation have been quite revealing to us. And this is kind of a culmination of uh, what has been happening to him. But now we know the time frame in which, we don't really know the time frame in which he received it. But for our purpose today, we're going to assume that it was not unlike the scenario that we just described. He's really focused in on what God is trying to say to him uh, with the ex- following, with all the exceptions of what, what we have today at our disposal. The first scene opens with John stepping through the doorway to heaven. Imagine that. I'd like to imagine that. A voice like a trumpet blast invites, his, invites him to see what is to come. And suddenly he's before the very throne of God, and one seated whose appearance leaves him breathless. A vision of sparkling <clears throat> elegance, surrounded by the brilliance of a heavenly rainbow. It's hard to take it all in. Even if he had a big screen TV, it would be hard to take it all in. One could easily, easily miss the 24 elders sitting there. One could easily 
miss all the flashes of lightning and the claps of thunder directing one's attention to the seven spirits of God appearing as blazing torches. And then suddenly he's facing four living creatures whose likeness even Steven Spielberg could probably have a hard time drawing. And in spite of their frightening appearance, the creatures are unceasingly praising God. That's what they're doing. As the elders bow before the eternal God and also praising him endlessly, praising the magnificence of God, the Heavenly Father, before them. That's what they're seeing in this vision of God before them. And quickly... The mood changes. And John sees in the light, the right hand of God, a scroll. Perhaps the blueprint of God's eternal plan for his people. That would be good to see. Perhaps the blueprint of his people sealed with seven seals. And since the mighty voice of the angel finds no one in heaven or on earth, Anyone to open it, and that's sad. Draw some sadness from John. And now he's crying. And now he's crying because God's people are in peril. That's from chapter 5 of Revelation. Who will put this plan into effect? Hope is dashed. Nothing good will happen. He sees somewhat of a plan, but who will put it into effect? Is all humanity to fall victim to the consequence of sin and be consumed by the darkness of death eternal? Are we all to wander aimlessly as lost sheep without a shepherd in a world ravenous with wolves? As one part of scripture describes it, John, however, is quickly comforted, and that's comforting to me, that scripture quickly changes its tone by the voice of one of the elders directing his attention to a long-predicted conquering hero. He says, remember the lion of the tribe of Judah, who was able to open the scroll and its seven seals, again from Revelation 5. And there we are along with John, surrounded by God on his throne, living creatures and angels and elders, and there in the midst of them, is the Lamb, who appears to have been slain, but who now stands in their midst. And the Lamb takes the scroll from the one on the throne. And worship begins once again. And we're surrounded by the magnificent, unrestrained melody of joy as the four creatures and the elders sing a new song. And this is the song they sing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And with a thunderous crescendo, they joined, they are joined by the whole host of heaven and earth in rapturous praises of the worthy Lamb who was slain. And with the scroll in hand, The worthy one gets to break the seals. And in what seems to be only a moment, the life of the New Testament church 
in which we <clears throat> in which we live today flashes before our eyes as each seal is taken apart with the voice of thunder the tribulation unfolds as the conquering victor rides on his white horse followed by the red horse unleashing the war and death and then the third horse black lets loose famine and economic chaos not far behind is the pale horse charged to kill one quarter of all mankind with all manner of violence and hunger and disease and ravenous beasts and the fifth seal could be compared to Ebenezer Scrooge's second visitor who reveals to him the faces of ignorance and want beneath his cloak were given a glimpse under the altar of heaven at the souls martyred for their faithful testimony to the lord and all of this culminates with the sixth seal making known the end the end when all the creatures collapse on the earth when all creation collapses on itself as kings and generals and the powerful and the slaves seek to hide from the coming wrath that's what they're afraid of to do battle carrying out the lord's mission and their seal sealed and preserved as we walk in the valley of the shadow of death in the midst of all of this is the lamb the shepherd Uh, He's walking in the valley of the shadow of death that we, too, (laughs) might join those white-robed martyrs. That we, too, might soon join those in the church triumphant. Right now, we're in the church militant. We're fighting against all the evil in the world. But we will join soon, we pray, in the church triumphant, worshiping and praising our God together with the four living creatures and the elders in symphony of joy. And so the question comes, and I've always found it to be a wonderful question in this chapter 7 of Revelation. Who are they, Lord? Who are these people in those white robes? And the movement stops. As John asked one of the elders, they are the ones. We are the ones who have washed our robes white in the blood of the Lamb. We are the ones who, by faith in Jesus Christ, have followed the Lamb and have persevered in the midst of all this fallen world can dish out. And you know as well as I do that it dishes out a lot day after day after day. And I pray you know full well by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that the shepherd has led us through all of the consequences of sin that each one of us has afflicted and encountered on this earthly walk with him, namely hatred and anger, the broken relationships and broken bodies, the lust and the greed, the hunger and the thirst, the scorching heat and the freezing cold, the death and the tears at the shepherd's leading at my shepherd's leading, at your shepherd's leading. We have come out of it free and clear, washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, robed in white by the grace of God, and the shepherd, 
the Lamb who desires to lead us. Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is the Shepherd. He leads us, and along with the white-robed multitude, he leads us to streams of living water. I have recently come across the example, one that I have not ever come across in my lifetime, of someone who has hanging in their dining room a painting depicting Jesus Christ gently and lovingly holding a lamb. You've all seen those pictures. Holding a lamb, Jesus the Good Shepherd, holding a lamb in his arms. But in this picture, he's gently and lovingly holding a young black lamb. The painting was done by an inmate with the Texas Department of Corrections, who likely viewed himself as an outcast, or, if you will, he viewed himself as the black sheep in his family, and perhaps of the family of humanity. The obvious implication of the painting is that our Lord loves and accepts the black sheep of the family of humanity. He loves the black sheep as much as he loves the lighter colored sheep. But this image goes much deeper than that. In order to save us poor, miserable sheep, the shepherd becomes one of us as well. He took upon himself all that is dark and sinful of humanity, and he bore it on himself on a cross, taking upon himself the full wrath of God that our enmity with God deserved. And this Lamb of God, this shepherd of God, our good shepherd, who was slain, rose again, we're still in the Easter season. We're only four Sundays away from Easter uh, to shepherd his people to eternal life, gathering them into the unnumbered fold of heaven where God will wipe away every tear of mourning from our eyes. The tears of sin and the tears of death will be wiped away forever. Not just for a little while, but forever. And as revealed to John, going back to John, on the island of Patmos, there he was alone, sheltered, uh, feeling awful. And yet here comes these visions to him, uh, as revealed to him, the lamb who was slain, the shepherd, our one and the same, saving him, and saving us for all eternity. O Lord, give us poor mortals such a vision as this. Help us to see Jesus each day as our good shepherd indeed, leading us along the path of life. And even though the path of life is what it is, and it's not always pretty, but yet we know that we are in the strong arms of the good shepherd. And even though at times we might see ourselves as the black sheep or the white sheep, we are a shepherd, we are a lamb of God, and he cares deeply for each one of us. I pray you know that in Jesus Christ, your Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, ever 
keep our hearts and our minds in this living and reigning Lord Jesus Christ, even to life everlasting. Amen.